Ladies First Disc Golf is the most comprehensive retailer for women's disc golf needs. With over 55 star reviews on Google and Facebook, listen to what their customers have to say. Jess M says, I got my first Ladies First Disc Golf hoodie and hat. I absolutely love them. They arrive so quickly and are exactly what I ordered. What is posted is what you get. I love this page and all the great apparel. It's nice to see disc golf items for just us ladies. It means a lot to have a page like this I can go to. I can't wait to purchase more. Thank you. If you are looking for stylish and comfortable disc golf apparel and discs for women disc golfers of all skill levels, Ladies First Disc Golf has your needs covered. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com and use code LOTC20 at checkout to get free shipping on your order of $20 or more. The Heartland Women's Series presented by Dynamic Discs is back for 2021 and has an exciting year of women's disc golf ahead you don't want to miss. The series begins in Kansas City, followed by women's events in Des Moines, Iowa, Omaha, Nebraska, Noble, Oklahoma, St. Louis, Missouri, and our series finale in Emporia, Kansas. For the series schedule and registration information, visit heartlanddiscgolf.com. I'm Tina Patterson, and I just kind of wanted to talk with you guys about all the fun events that we have going on in Kansas City this year. I am Kat Kujawa. I'm a part of Glossy, and I will be helping Tina run all these awesome events this year. The Throw Pink fundraiser. And we have a doubles event coming up in April, April 11th, and it's at Bad Rock. It's a flex start. It's $40 a team, so 20 bucks a person, and $10 of that goes to Gillis Club. The next event, Disc Golf Day, that is May 22nd out at Waterworks. That one also is a flex start from 8 to 4, and if you pre-register, you get a t-shirt. We're going to have like CTPs and putting contests and like a mini game that Ava and her mom, Catherine, are going to run. I hope to see a lot of people out for that. That's uh, more of like a family event. You can bring your friends, new players, and just have fun out at Waterworks. Gangs this year um, is open to whatever gangs want to join. It's six players, uh, three teams of doubles. It's two rounds. There's a t-shirt contest. It was really awesome last year. Um, the winners get to choose where the tournament happens the next year so the winners from last year team camo have chose bad rock this year we'll have a lot more details probably coming out in june with signups just have six of your greatest friends and give yourself a name and come and see if you're the best gang kc gang wars is august 7th at bad rock another big event for the ladies of Kansas city is the Kansas city wide open we're going to have a women's division the women will be playing at waterworks and wilbur young and Bad Rock. September 24th, 25th, and 26th. The Diva Fiva Doubles is May 7th. It's a flex start at Rosedale. And we um, encourage caddies and volunteers to come out and play so they can also see the course. Glossy will be doing Friday night um, at Bad Rock. It's not separate or anything. It's just kind of having them out for a fun card. Nothing too competitive. We can keep score until we don't. And then we'll also be selling trail mix on Fridays to raise money for the lunch at Throw Pink. The October Throw Pink is the big Throw Pink. The one where there'll be the raffle and the big lunch. It's October 9th. The two rounds at Bad Rock. Um, super easy, super fun. We have fundraiser discs available. Um, we'll start selling those April 11th at the fundraiser. That, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. 
At the beginning of 2020, I made a decision that for 2020, I would not buy any more discs. As I looked around the discs I had collected over the last four or so years, I have like, oh, a hundred or so discs just for myself. My husband plays two, but he plays with two discs and is totally content. So I realized if I couldn't do what I needed to do with these hundreds of discs, that it was obviously a problem with me and not with the discs themselves. After all, it's the archer, not the arrow, right? And we see all these pros change bags and still have as much, if not more, success. But as 2020 progressed, I had an experience that probably a lot of you had, that one of the discs in my bag needed to be replaced, and I couldn't find it because it was really hard and is still a little tricky to find discs as disc golf just exploded in 2020 and there were supply chain issues and everything else that the pandemic affected in our sport. So I asked some friends for a recommendation and I, I got this disc that I had never thrown before. And from like first throw, it, it was kind of love and it did things that I wanted it to do, even though my form is maybe not perfect. And I just really, really loved this disc. But did that mean that there were other discs out there like it that I just haven't found yet? It was the disc that made me question everything. Hello, my name is Anna Hare, and Valkyrie is the disc for me, and the reason why I'm so fond of the Valkyrie is because it will hold any line that I put it on, so it's very easy to manipulate, and it's uh, versatile in that I can throw it straight, can throw it Annie, can throw it hyzer, just need to get my wrists to put the angle that I want it to go on, and the discs will follow. Hi everyone, this is Lupe. You may already know me from Lupe and Becca Throw Discs, as well as uh, my being a multiple episode guest here on Becca's podcast. Currently, my favorite disc is the Out of Production Dynamic Discs Patrol. Now, that disc is absolutely a number one disc for me. I'm very, very sad that it's out of production so soon after being part of the, I believe, 2018 Trilogy Challenge Pack, but it is one of my favorites specifically because it is so understable and it is such a slow disc at a speed of five that it allows me to throw a backhand and hyzer and get some really nice distance on a dead straight shot without a lot of effort. Hi, this is Christian Paul. Um, there's a disc that I use as a workhorse. Um, it's good for virtually all conditions, and it definitely changed my game, which is the Air Saint. Um, love it for pretty much all conditions. It's great in a headwind as long as it's not too high. Um, you'll get a little turnover and still some fade. Um, it works in crosswinds. It's just a great workhorse disc. 
This is Desiree. My favorite disc is the Dynamic Disc Fusion Escape. It's a nine-speed fairway driver. It's my most accurate distance driver. I also enjoy the Fusion Plastic. It's great for gripping in all kinds of conditions. And I can throw it on almost any angle, and I know it will perform. And this is Stephanie. My favorite disc would have to be the Roadrunner from Innova. It's a fairway driver. Specifically, I have always loved the G-Star Roadrunners. Um, It was actually one of the first discs I ever got the first time I played with my friend Ariana. Um, And I still have a few G-Star Roadrunners to this day that are my favorite. Um, It was one of the first drivers I was able to get to Heiser Flip, um, which was Super fun the first time I saw myself do that shot, um, and it is to this day, um, for almost four years later, one of my favorite discs. And last but not least, this is Liz. My most favorite disc is my Rhino. Anybody who's ever played with me has probably seen me putting and making up shots with that blue G-Star Rhino, and I would be toast without it probably one of the discs I always suggest to people that they should try and I think at least Anna Hare and Des Poth have started bagging them too so that's my favorite disc. I've played many rounds with all of those women and I can attest that those discs that they listed they they throw wonderfully. So maybe you're like me and When you started playing disc golf, you just kind of kept chasing the dragon, so to speak, right? And we we all have to start somewhere. Maybe someone gives you a disc recommendation. I didn't know anybody when I came back to the sport in 2016. I I walked out of a disc golf store with a, a flick. If you're familiar with that mold, I still should not be throwing that disc more or less, you know, as a complete beginner in the sport. Thankfully, that store was very kind and and let me return the disc immediately because it it was not going to work. But that's that's what we do, right? And, And that's part of the fun and there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, we we have to learn how to throw the discs we have in, and hopefully we find something that really works. But why? Why do certain discs fly better for me than others? Like, how do discs even fly? Uh, My name is Brittany Zimmerman. I've been playing disc golf since about 2016, um, and I am an aerospace engineer. I am also the CEO uh, and chief of innovation for a few companies uh, in the space field. You heard that right. Brittany is a disc golfer and an aerospace engineer. I'm so excited to hear everything she has to say about discs and how they fly and the science behind it. Um, And after I graduated, I moved into uh, an aerospace systems engineering role where I helped uh, design and integrate avionics packages. So think of that as just the brain of any aircraft, right? Um, In my uh, senior design uh, and at the end of my internship, I worked on designing aircraft wings. And did you start playing disc golf in Arizona or North Dakota? 
So, uh, yeah, it was in North Dakota. Cool. Like, I had seen disc golf before, and I had been interested. Like, I think I owned maybe a disc that one of my friends had given me once um, and had played a played around with, you know. And uh, I had a good friend I was going to take a road trip with, and he said, I'm going to play a, a disc golf course. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to play a tournament during our road trip. And if you're cool with it, you know, you can caddy for me, you can walk around. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what the rules of disc golf are. That would be super cool. And he said, let me take you out to play around. I'll teach you what the rules are and that way you can caddy for me. And I said, okay, that sounds wonderful. Well, we got into the round of disc golf that we were playing and he was like, Brittany, I think you are way better at disc golf than you think that you are. Um, I'm going to teach you the rules and then I think you should play during the tournament, not caddy for me. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't even know the rules. So um, I planned on caddying for him and he tricked me because when we showed up to the tournament, he had signed me up. And then all of a sudden it was May of 2016 and it was actually a women's global event that they had happened to have a like a male portion uh, of the event at the WGE so it ended up being just this perfect time for my I think first disc golf tournament because I I came from the ultimate frisbee world so I played for my college team in ultimate frisbee um, so I think I was lucky in the sense that some of those skills transition over right to the yeah. sport not all of them but some of them another ultimate player to disc golfer see it's all connected so i was at worlds and um yeah and i ran into um a gentleman after i had made this huge putt who said, oh, wow, you know, like, what are you putt with? What are you going to take your next drive with? And I started talking to him about MVP discs. And I was like, I love these discs. Like, as an aerospace engineer, this is how I would design a disc because, you know, it's, it's weighted at the rim and, you know, and less on the flight plate. And I started talking to him about how that just made sense, you know, from a scientific standpoint. And... I went on with my round and didn't realize that he was actually one of the, and I I didn't realize that he was part of MVP at all. And he was really excited and reached out to me and said, hey, I think you are a great representative for our team without even having known about us, really. I honestly didn't even know that team MVP existed at that point in my life. Um, So uh, that year I joined team MVP. I was very happy to switch all my plastic over because, I mean, as we jump into, I think, how, how discs fly and why they fly the way that they do, it makes just more and more fun, so. I asked Brittany to explain the science behind why a disc even flies. Yeah, that is a wonderful question. And uh, discs don't always fly is going to be my first answer, right? If we hold a disc in the air and just let go, the disc doesn't fly on itself, 
Um, the disc flies because of a beautiful symbiosis between two different concepts in physics, I would say. Uh, the first is aerodynamic forces, um, which do exist even when you just drop the frisbee, right? And it kind of potato chips out of the air onto the ground, as would happen. But uh, the second physical pr principle that's really important in understanding this is the gyroscopic stability. So you can kind of think of that as the angular momentum part of this. So I'm gonna try to explain this in terms that you don't have to quite understand <laughs> the terminology that I'm using. So I'll try to break that down a little bit. But the one that I think most people think of first is the aerodynamic forces. And for anybody who's interested and wants to do more research on this lady later, this is based on Bernoulli's principle. So just type in Bernoulli's principle into Google. Tons of stuff will come up. People dedicate their whole careers to Bernoulli's principle. So tread with caution. <laughs> but um, actually a lot of my favorites a lot of my favorite patents came from Bernoulli's principles. So this is a really, this is a really cool one for those of you that, that aren't familiar. Um, but the two aerodynamic forces of interest to us are specifically uh, the lift force, which I'll jump into in a second, and the drag force, right? Those are our two aerodynamic forces. Um, and this is really important because we don't have, we don't have movement or flight of your disc if, if the lift doesn't exist. So if you think of lift, um, I'm going to try to explain this the best that I can. But if you hold a disc up, you will notice that the top of the disc is kind of curved around it, right? And then you have the bottom of the disc. It's a little bit flatter. So this works the same way that an aircraft wing works in generating lift because the air has to take two different paths to get to the front of the disc versus the back of the disc as it's cutting its way through whatever your medium is. In our specific medium, it's air. So that's pretty exciting for us because it makes some of our variables a little bit more like constants, which is great. Although I think you'll talk to some people who've been playing disc golf for a long time and they'll say that's not true at all. I've played I play in Denver and it's not the same as playing in LA, right? And that is true because in that sense, the, the density of the air is different. So it cuts through our medium different. And that would be the case, uh, same case if we threw a Frisbee underwater, right? It's just the density of the medium that we're throwing the Frisbee and that changes. And that happens when we, when we talk about playing on the top of a mountain or in a valley as well. Okay, so lift occurs because of this difference, right? Um, this is really important um, in, in the discussion of a frisbee throw or fr frisbee flight because the velocity of the fluid moving around us matters, so the velocity that we throw the disc at matters, and the velocity that the air moves on that longer trip over the top of the disc versus under matters very much because it changes our pressure. And this delta in this pressure is what creates an upward force on the bottom of the disc that keeps the disc elevated or up in the air and works directly against gravity, which is the force acting directly down against the disc. So it's this balancing of the lift force versus the force of gravity that determines whether or not the disc stays in the air, right? 
If the force of gravity is stronger, it drops down. If the lift is greater, it stays up. The other really important or the second major physical principle or concept that's important here is gyroscopic stability. And this is our angular momentum. So with the, with the forces that I just explained to you, you would not have the flight of the disc, right? Like I explained, if you hold the frisbee out in front of you and let go, or the disc, pardon me, <laughs> out in front of you and let go, there is still technically aerodynamic forces acting upon the disc. The thing about it is that they're not quite centered because we don't have angular momentum occurring. So maybe the lift is acting more towards the nose of your disc or the tail of your disc, and it kind of flip-flops back and forth, never stabilizing and just falling to the ground. The interesting thing about discs flying is when we apply this rotation right to the disc or a torque we experience the flight that we are all after right so we crave as disc golfers this is a really important physical principle um, of of angular momentum because it does result in right this rotation results in the more centering of our forces right if we can apply those forces as close to the center of the disc as possible that's really when we see it acting more like an aircraft wing right and we get that flight that we're truly after so when people are designing discs they're taking a lot of these things into consideration they're looking at the moment of inertia which has a lot to do with that gyroscopic stability we're looking at aerodynamic forces that lift that drag and all of the parts of a disc really play into this right you can look at some discs you can look at drivers and you, if you hold it up and look at the edge it might be a little bit pointier right you look at putters they're kind of rounded out and deeper and these are all ways of manipulating exactly those factors the other thing though you have to remember is that a disc flies different depending on the person who is throwing the disc and i think that's specifically interesting um, as a female or a woman thrower right because i think at the beginning of your disc golf career it's very typical for you know a man to be like oh yeah you want to throw these max weight beefy things because you know, that's what the cool kids throw. And that's true. A lot of cool kids do throw that. But it might not be the right match for my specific abilities and arm speed and techniques um, and strength as a female, right, in order to get these discs up and moving. So it is A, the responsibility of the disc designer to create discs that can do a certain thing. But also, I think it's very important for us as consumers or users of the disc to understand that those numbers that they put on the disc only mean what they mean in certain conditions. And that it's very important for us to understand how the disc flies for us and our particular arm speed and technique and physique as well. Something I wonder about a lot in my own disc golf game, just from things I've heard and, and seen in tutorial YouTube videos, is the relationship between force and that rotation that I put on the disc. So we, we talk so much about putting spin on the disc and why that matters and why that's important. So I wanted to get Brittany's take on it. And the things she told me really made me rethink the game and, and how I throw. 
And when I'm teaching people disc golf for the first time, I, I definitely like to bring that into play because some people will say, oh, I'm not very strong, right? Like, I'm not very strong. Can I can I play disc golf? Or I won't be able to throw as hard as you because I'm not very strong. While you de- do need to have muscles, you cannot be a skeleton and play disc golf. You do need to have muscles. Um, this actually, it does play a role, but not to the extent that you might think. And the way that I showcase case this when I'm trying to teach disc golf to people who are being introduced to the sport it's that your arm it think of your arm almost like a whip or a tool to hold the disc in the right shape that you want it to be at when you release it you're not really strong arming a disc like you're we call it throwing a disc and I think that's a little bit of a misnomer because it's not too many of your actual arm muscles that are part of the throwing process. And of course, there you do engage some of your arm muscles. To say that in black and white would be incorrect. But truly, the power of what of your arm uh, of your throw isn't coming necessarily from your arm. It's really coming from your core and your torque, right? And this is very important. And I know. This is an audio only thing, so I can't quite demonstrate what I what I would like to. But even if you just kind of let your arm dangle next to you, right? Like just kind of let them let them loose and let them free, and then start twisting your body back and forth, your arms are going to swing back and forth, right? So you do have movement in your arms that's powered by the torque or the the turning of your core, right? And that would be a small scale demonstration that showcases that the power of this is really coming from rotation. It's really coming from our center. So when we look at the transfer of power, which is I think is a big component to the question that you're asking, it's very interesting. So there's two things that matter. The power comes from our core. That's where it's initiated, right? And the whole trick of, on having a good frisbee throw or a good disc throw is to translate that power from your core into your disc, right? When we talk about, do I have good form? Is there anything I can do better? That's what we're talking about. We take slow-mo videos of us to not look at how nice we look when we're twisting and throwing our discs, but we are looking at where am I losing that energy, right? I want the energy to go into the disc. That's where I want the power to live. So there are things that we do in our throw that take away from that. So the whole goal of this is to push, you know, to streamline this distribution of power from where it's being generated and into the frisbee where we want it to be. So the thing that our arm is important for is where do we hold the disc, right? We think about how do we throw the disc, but we need to think a lot about where we're putting, where we're connecting to the disc because that's where the energy goes in. So as you can imagine, to sort of take this to the extremes, if you hold the disc directly in the middle and throw it, that would be extremely strange as you can imagine. And we would get some forward movement, but that gyroscopic inertia that we're looking for by creating that angular momentum around the outside of the disc, the spinning effect would not be there, right? You can kind of see this sometimes in extreme push putters, 
right? They're not getting a lot of angular momentum there. And the flight of their disc is based on a, a straightforward push, right? It's not a gyroscopic inertia at that point in time. And then you talk about a spin putter, or you talk about people who are going for massive drifts. They're gripping this thing in a place where they can have as much contact and control with the disc as possible to transfer that energy. But what we're doing is we're pushing that energy into the edge of the disc, almost like a whip to spin it, right? We want to get that thing turning. The more spin we have it, the more stability we have on it. So a lot of these discs that are designed in such ways to help us with that. Transfer of energy from our core, using our arm to shape the throw, not power the throw, and ensure that we are putting our energy into the correct place on the disc that matters, right? And I don't think we got too far into the actual uh, uh, physics of this, but one of the coefficients that's utilized in determining drag um, is dependent on the angle of attack of the throw. So if you think about that, think of that as being like a nose up throw or a nose down throw or a flat throw straight out of your hand. We also like to talk about things like Heiser and Anheuser, right? And these are all things that are changing that, that angle of release from our arm. And that is what our hand and our arm are responsible for. So, yeah, we're all getting the picture. And this really affirms what we know, right? It's so much about form. I really like what Brittany had to say about adding variables into our form, too, and why that matters scientifically. thing, too, is a lot of people, especially when they're starting, will drop their run-up as well. They'll take a standstill approach to minimize the number of variables, because that's very important, too. As we transfer that energy from our core into our arm and then into our disc, we look at our form as we were discussing, but wow, where are we losing? Where are we losing, you know, our power, our energy? The more steps and the more processes that you put in that, the more places there are to up, right? Like there's a lot more variables that can go wrong that you're not holding consistent. So it does make a lot of sense to try to, when you need something that's very precise and you're not well practiced in all of the motions, to really start at a form that utilizes the least number of variables that can go wrong as possible, get good at those, and then start adding in some of those variables as you feel more comfortable with them until you're doing your X step and your full run-up approach. Um, when I'm teaching people disc golf, I don't even show them the full, my full run-up because I'm afraid that they'll try to emulate that. I will do a stand a standstill throw for many times working with them before they're feeling comfortable enough to add something extra in. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you've probably picked up on the fact that I throw mostly MVP. So having Brittany to speak with, I, I wanted to ask her some MVP specific questions. So I asked her about one of my favorite discs and that's a 138 gram Vision Tesla, which is crazy light, but manages to maintain its stability really well and throws really well. 
And I've always told people that I see a lot of women throwing MVP, maybe because of the stability factor. But I also don't really know that the science I'm saying behind that is true, so I wanted to get her take. So to speak to the first point of many women throw MVP plastic, I think that MVP does a fantastic job of ensuring that we have access to discs that are lighter on this scale so that we we can feel like we're, you know, we're we're making moves on the disc, right? It's a little easier for us to handle. And there are there are there are scientific reasons for that being the case, right? Um I think we spoke a little bit earlier about how a disc flies, right? And the thing about the thing about the flight of a disc is that it is mass dependent, right? Mass is one of the variables that is taken into account here. In fact, diameter is all, the diameter of the disc is also uh, an important parameter, you know, in this. The, the third, I would say that's very important is the velocity right so i'm gonna take this again to the extremes because i'm a believer in that being a good way of illuminating points um let's say we make a humongous massive disc out of stone okay it's the size of my house but the aspect ratio is correct and theoretically that thing is going i mean that thing will fly if you could get it up if you could provide some sort of angular momentum to generate what we need for gyroscopic stability. Now, if we look at that major extreme, there's no chance of me, human Brittany, ever doing that without inventing some technologies, which I'd be happy to do, but with just my arm to make it legal in the game to throw this massive stone disc, right? So we do have to come to an agreement, right, in this discussion that math does play a factor in our ability to throw the disc. We can, I think everybody will agree on, on this specific point. Now we have to kind of talk about the shape slash speed of the disc for this to matter. There's a lot of misconception about what the speed variable given to specific disks are, right? The term speed makes people think of kind of that, that velocity that, that the disk will travel at. But that's not what they're trying to convey to us when they give us that speed number. That speed of a disk, think of it more of the speed that you have to be able to throw it at in order for it to act the way that we have designed it to act, right? So that's really what speed is. So if I can't grab a speed 15 disc, especially a heavy, oh, we'll get back, we'll get back into mass in a moment. I can't grab a speed 15 disc if I can never get the disc up to speed 15, right? And have it perform as it's intended to perform in any way, because very likely it's never going to hit that speed. It's, it's gonna, it, it's gonna fade out on us. We're going to have some problems, right? Now, mass has an implication on this, of course. So the first thing we need to be able to do is get a disc to the correct speed for it to operate, right? And that means providing that 
force around the outside of the disc in order to get it moving up to that speed. Remember how we said if we just drop it, that's us providing no force, no angular momentum to the disc, right, through our force, and let it go, there is nothing. The same thing is true if we put as much power as we can into that outside rim that it really gets going, right? So there is a mass factor to this as well, okay? So the mass of that disc to get up to speed, right, is important. It's harder for us, it's harder for me to get that stone disc up to the speed that is necessary for it to fly. So it makes sense for us people who have a harder time with the with in getting that force into the outside of the disc due to strength, due to technique, due to whatever the case may be. And it makes sense for us to use lighter discs that make it easier for us to achieve those speeds specifically. So that mythical disc that I talked about at the beginning of the episode that has made me question so many things, part of why I like it so much is that it has a lot of glide. But I wanted to understand more what causes that glide and what Brittany said really made me even rethink how we use the term. Okay, so this has to come back to do with gyroscopic inertia again, right? It's like at the end of that flight. So the disc is spinning and at the end of the flight, what what sort of happens to the disc, right? Does the disc fade out to the left? Does it continue to go straight? This depends on, on several factors that are built into the design of the disc, the shape of the disc as well. And this is this is sort of a how does the disc act after it drops off of that speed at the end of its flight right does it do okay you hit you got it up to speed very cool you it did what it's supposed to do it's making the shapes it's supposed to but how does it how does it end this is our way i think of discussing sort of what that finish looks like on a disc and what that's going to do for us one of my favorite quotes from this podcast came from Nova really, really early on, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she said that the worth of a disc is what it does when I throw it. And I'm going to have Brittany leave us here with some just wonderful closing wrap-up thoughts like that, that really speak to that and discs. how discs fly for us and the science behind that and why we pick the discs that we do. Do look at the numbers. Take all of your discs out into a field and throw them all a bunch of times. Figure out what shapes they make when you make the same throw. I don't... I, I know that the numbers give us a bad habit of being like, okay, this disc is slightly understable, so you will end up putting a little bit of ante on it, right? But maybe if you were to throw that the same, maybe if you were to throw, you know, your theory the same way that you throw your envy, right? Something slightly different and more magical may happen. 
So what we're looking to do sort of in this field work, in my suggestion, is to sort of let go of those numbers, right? Understand how your disc flies outside of the numbers, because if it does it in the field, I promise it's going to do the same thing if you throw it the same way when you're on the course. Get used to the way that your disc glides or doesn't glide. Get a feel for how it lands, how it finishes, the distances that they go. And now you've honed your shot with those discs in and it's no longer a, a, a stressful thing when you're on the course because you already have the tools that you need and now you get to just pick the tool that goes in your hand and you already know how the disc is going to fly and it's my it's my personal philosophy from the scientific slash mechanic standpoint is to try to almost throw all of the discs almost the same right? The least number of forms that you have to master in order to get all of the same outcomes is the better, right? So I suggest instead of focusing too much on those numbers is focus on your form, get the form that feels most natural and correct for you, and then just put a bunch of different discs in your hands and get used to how those specific discs fly in your specific form. And now it's a lot less about what those numbers are, right? It's more about your innate knowledge of what the disc does for you. So in conclusion, yes, the disc does matter. There's all of these scientific forces happening that have to come together to get, you know, the throw that I really want to see. But it's also very specific to me and and my form and, and where I'm at. And so, yeah, it's the archer more than the arrow. And yes, I need to go do some field work. I need to do some practice. But I will probably keep chasing the dragon a little bit. I'll keep buying new discs that are recommended to me because it's fun. It's fun to go throw different discs. But I'm absolutely going to apply the things that Brittany spoke about. And I'm going to work on my core. I'm going to rethink how I'm getting that energy, how I'm getting that rotation into the disc. And I'm just really, really excited to go throw now. Thank you so much for listening to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. Thank you, as always, to DZ Discs, where the disc you see is the disc you get. You can go visit dzdiscs.com and use the code GUITAR to get $5 off your purchase of $25 or more if you are a new customer. I hope you get out and throw. I'm really, really excited about the Women's Global event. If you've listened this far into the podcast, I could really use some help for our next episode that's going to focus on the Women's Global event. So look on social media uh, for that. And we'll catch you here next time on Blaze of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast.